and welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM. And of course, we also want to say hello to our newest platform, which is Overcast. And of course, uh, they join the listeners on uh, Spotify as well as Google Podcasting as well as Apple Podcasting. Uh, as you know, uh, Sunshine USA is a Bible study ministry. Uh, the Bible being taught by me, Warren Landis. I'm the host of Sunshine USA and the Bible teacher on this program. And uh, we have a twofold purpose here at Sunshine USA for those of you that are new listeners. Uh, number one, our desire is to point people to Jesus Christ. And we want to point people to the need for them to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And then, our next goal is to teach the Bible to Christians. I noticed back in 2012 that uh, there were many Christians in this country that seemingly uh, did not know a lot about the Bible. I found that many Christians had, at best, only a general idea of what they believed, and they had no idea why they believed what they believed. And so this let me know that some type of ministry was needed for the purpose of teaching Christians the Bible. And like I say, that's at the very heart of what we do here at Sunshine USA. In addition to pointing people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I believe personally that's the most important decision that you could ever make, the decision to receive Christ as your Savior, to admit that you're a sinner, to admit that you need a Savior. That's the most important decision right there. And, uh, and of course, uh, this is a very interesting radio program in that I'm not really uh, a professional broadcaster. I'm not a, a great theologian or anything like that. I'm just a Christian who loves the Word of God. I happen to be an ordained Southern Baptist minister. But the Bible study that I do on this podcast is very casual. Uh, it's very low-key. In fact, uh, I am actually doing this podcast right now from the comfort of my own apartment, not some fancy radio station downtown. Um, and so um, you could tell that this is a very, very definitely a homespun radio ministry where we have a great desire to teach the Bible and to preach the gospel. And in so doing, I believe that we can bring hope to the people of this world, to the people of this nation, to the people of your nation. I'm always fascinated by modern technology. You see, through modern technology, we have the means of communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole wide world. Right now, like I say, I'm sitting in my living room. You might hear the air conditioner running in the background, and it's not a fancy central air system. It's actually a window unit. So these window units, they tend to be a little bit noisy at times, and you might hear that running in the background. So there's nothing fancy here, no big, luxurious, fancy office. And uh, so it's a very uh, simple, homemade type ministry, and I enjoy every minute of it. But I also enjoy the technology end of it, which allows us to literally carry the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world. 
And you know, that's actually one of the signs of Christ's second coming. That's one of the signs of the rapture right there, that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all the world. And never before has that been quite so possible as today with all the technology that we have available to us today. Now, the title of this particular podcast is uh, The Need for Ministry. That's the lesson we're going to be talking about tonight. And I'm going to be reading in just a few moments from Exodus chapter 1. Now, those of you that have kept up with this radio ministry in the past, you know that some time ago I spent quite some time in the book of Genesis. And among other things in the book of Genesis, we talked about how the Israelites got from the land of Canaan down into Egypt. And of course, in a nutshell, we know that they ended up in Egypt because there was a worldwide famine. And Egypt was the only place on the planet that had food. And one of the reasons for that was because a very smart man by the name of Joseph, who was actually the brother of some of the Israelites, who had actually sold him as a slave to some Egyptians. So he ended up in a slave in Egypt, as a slave in Egypt, and he ended up as a prisoner. And from there, he went on to become the second in command in all the land of Egypt. The only person higher up than Joseph was to Pharaoh himself. And so Joseph made arrangements for his brothers and his father all to come down into Egypt. And at that time, all total, there was about 70-some-odd Israelites down in the land of Egypt, not seemingly a great number at all, definitely less than 100, or maybe about the size of the membership of the church you go to on Sunday. Not that big of a group. But eventually, in the process of time, now bearing in mind, Joseph made arrangements for these Israelites to live in a place called the land of Goshen. And it was actually one of the most fertile, one of the most beautiful places in all the land of Egypt. And so the Israelites, they had a fertile place to live. They had plenty of green grass for their cattle. They had plenty of food to eat. They were living in the lap of luxury. But in the process of time, uh, Jacob died. Joseph died, his brothers died, and besides all that, a new Pharaoh came into power. A new Pharaoh that didn't know anything about Joseph, and really had no idea where the Israelites came from, except they were multiplying like crazy, and there was a lot more than just 70 Israelites in Egypt now. There were hundreds and thousands of them. And uh, the Pharaoh saw this, as being a potential problem. So I want you to get out your Bible, and I want you to turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter number 1, and we'll start reading with uh, verse number 5 here. It says, And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were seventy souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. 
And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there rose up a new king over Egypt who knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are now more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, that they join also our enemies and fight against us. And so it says, therefore, in verse 11, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities of uh, Pentham and Ramesses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Now, you see, Pharaoh was greatly worried. He knew there were so many Israelites now that on one side of the coin, if they left Egypt, it would leave a lot of jobs unfilled. Jobs that typically the Egyptian people themselves didn't want to do. On the other hand, these Israelites were multiplying like crazy. And like he said, you know, if Egypt got into a war and the Israelites decided to decide with the enemies of Egypt, Egypt would be in trouble. But, you know, one of the things I like about what I read here is that in spite of how hard the Israelites had it, while in slavery and bondage in the land of Egypt, we know that they continued to multiply and to prosper. You know, um, if these Israelites had been Baptists, I'm afraid they would have done a lot of complaining and very little praising, and probably very little multiplying. But you see, the Israelites had learned how to succeed and prosper in spite of the horrible situation that they were in. And as a group, they grew larger and larger and larger. And of course, the larger this group grew, the more of a potential problem they became for the Egyptians. And... Uh, but we see that God is merciful. He sees the suffering of his people. And so we see that God, in his infinite wisdom, decides that he's going to send them a solution. Now, it's not going to be an overnight solution, but it nonetheless is going to be a solution in the process of time. And there went out a man of the house of Levi and took a wife a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him for three months. Now, you can imagine how excited this couple was. They had given birth to a male son, but now, of course, this was problematic because the Pharaoh had already decided that he was going to kill the male babies that were born. He didn't know which one to kill, so he said, I'm going to kill them all. 
And so while these parents were excited on one side of the coin, they knew that on the other side of the coin they were going to have to hide them. And at first, they could do that. But after two or three months, guess what? They found it was no longer going to be easy to hide this child. Because you see, this child was making more and more noises, probably crying more, and other things. And pretty soon it was getting harder and harder to hide this child. And it says in verse 3, And when she could not any longer hide him, she took him an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and with pitch and put it, put the child in it therein. And she laid it in the flags by the riverbanks or in the bulrushes. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she set her, sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it and saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister, then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women? that she may nurse the child for thee. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give you thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. So you see, God saw the suffering of his people, and God decided that he was going to send an answer. Now I want you to notice something very important here. The answer didn't come right away. Now you and I know basic biology. How long does it take a woman to give birth to a child? Usually about nine months. Okay, so that was nine months right there. So the mother and her, and her husband, they decide to keep the child for themselves for three months. And then they decide, well, we can't hide the child any longer. So they put the child in a basket in the bulrushes to be discovered by Pharaoh's daughter. And now we find that Pharaoh's daughter is going to take the child and give it to the child's sister, even though she didn't know that was the child's sister. And the child's sister goes and finds the mom, and the mom is being paid royal rages by Pharaoh's daughter to take care of her own daughter. And then the son eventually, in the process of time, is brought back to Pharaoh's daughter when it's now safe enough for her to do so. And Moses is raised up, in Pharaoh's palace. <laughs> so you see, God is in the process of solving a problem for the Israelites. But it's going to be a work in progress. It's not going to happen all at one time. 
because Moses, guess what, is going to spend the next 40 years of his life being raised by Pharaoh's daughter in Pharaoh's palace. He's going to spend about 40 years in that palace. Now, during that time, he's going to get, of course, the best that Egyptian education has to offer. Bearing in mind, back in those days, Egypt had some of the very finest schools in all the world. And so, to put it mildly, <laughs> Pharaoh was providing Moses with an excellent world-class education. Now, Moses probably didn't realize this at the time, but he was going to need that, that education in order to do the work that God had for him to do. You see, God was going to use Moses eventually down the road to lead the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But, of course, in order to do something else that God had for him to do, which was writing the first five books of the Bible, Moses would need, academically speaking, one of the finest educations that he could get. And while he was in Pharaoh's palace, he was there long enough to get that education. And so we see that God is in the process of sending an answer to the Israelites. Now, of course, the whole time that Moses is living in the lap of luxury in Pharaoh's palace, his parents and his sister and the other Hebrew people, guess what? They're suffering like all get out. They are working their fingers to the bone as slaves in the field making brick and even having to gather the straw first that the brick is made out of. And so they had a lot of suffering to do during that four-decade period that Moses spent in the palace. Now, like I say, I don't think Moses was aware at the time of what all was happening. When he got that world-class education, I didn't. I don't think that Moses realized that he was going to write the first five books of the Bible. And he certainly had no idea what the Bible was going to be all about. <laughs> and then we find that Moses was going to spend the next 40 years of his life in the wilderness. The Bible tells us, if you read further in the book of Exodus, that he started keeping sheep for his father-in-law Jethro. Now, by the way, we note this was a very common occupation back in Old Testament times. We know, for example, that David, the psalmist, was uh, a shepherd before he became king over all Israel. It was a very common profession. There were angels in the field at night when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. A very common occupation. Interestingly enough, it was actually considered a low-skilled job. We would call it today a, a minimum wage job. You didn't get rich doing it, and probably if you had parents, they would urge you to become anything but a shepherd. And the reason for that is they knew it didn't pay very well. 
But Moses would spend the next 40 years of his life in the wilderness keeping these sheep. And I know that at times Moses had to wonder, what is a highly educated man like me doing in a flock like this? Well, what had happened was at the end of that 40 years that Moses spent in the palace, he saw an Egyptian giving a hard time to one of the Hebrew people. And so Moses decided to retaliate and come to the rescue of that Hebrew person by killing the Egyptian that was attacking him. And at that point, Moses became a murderer. Now it was necessary for Moses to leave the palace, leave the land of Egypt, where he was now a wanted felon. And so he ends up keeping the flock for his Jethro, for Jethro, his father-in-law. And here's the other interesting thing. Moses' wife was an Egyptian. Now, later on, this would become a point of friction between Moses and his sister Marion. Marion was not at all happy about the fact that Moses had an Egyptian wife. It was an interracial marriage. She didn't approve of it. But the whole point of our lesson for tonight is the fact that whatever you're going through right now, it might be a hardship of major proportions. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe you're going through a business failure. Maybe you're suffering a financial setback. Maybe you're suffering a health setback. It might be that your life has come apart during this COVID-19 crisis that we've been going through. But whatever you're going through, number one, be aware of the fact that if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, God sees what you're going through. And you need to understand that God loves you very, very much. And that God wants to wrap his arms around you and send a solution. Now, you know, the solution may not come right away. It may not come right away. <laughs> if you read the Old Testament book of Daniel, for example, you'll remember reading about how um, God did not deliver his people from the fiery furnace or the lion's den. But he decided to deliver them in the lion's den, in the fiery furnace. Sometimes God wants us to go through our problems and not always be delivered from our problems right away. But as in the case of Israelite, of the Israelites, God is aware of your problem and God is already hard at work bringing about a solution. But in the meantime, you and I as Christians, we have to be patient and we have to wait on the Lord to solve the problem his way. <laughs> but you know what happens, don't you? You and I as Christians, we get anxious, and we say, you know, God, <laughs> I, I think I've got a better idea here. God, let me take over the steering wheel a minute. So we take over the steering wheel, and guess what? We wreck the ship. <laughs> Amen. 
We, d- we find out we're not as good a driver as we thought. But we get impatient, and we get impatient because of the fact that we want solutions now. You know, it's almost like the man that says, Lord, I want you to give me patience now. <laughs> but we just have to patiently wait on the Lord and realize that God hasn't forgotten about us. God has a plan for us and a purpose for us. And God, in his timing, his way, will deliver us. We just have to be patient and be willing to wait. (laughs) You know, one of the interesting things I find in the book of Genesis, and, you know, here on Sunshine USA, we spent not too long ago a, a whole lot of time in Genesis studying it very thoroughly. And one of the things I pointed out is that God created everything that man would ever need before he even created man. In other words, by the time God creates Adam and places him in the Garden of Eden, guess what? God has already provided for Adam anything and everything he's going to need. Everything is all provided for. All he has to do is sit back and enjoy it. And so you and I need to realize that God has already provided for us. He's already provided anything and everything that you and I will ever need. Now, the thing about it is, God doesn't always deliver it to us (laughs) as fast as we want Him to. You know, (laughs) we say, Lord, I need this done now. And God says, yes, I'm going to take care of it, but it's going to be a little bit further down the road. Amen. So hopefully that is a very big lesson that you and I get from this first chapter of Exodus and the second chapter of Exodus, that God sees our problem and he's already at work bringing about a solution to that problem. We just have to be willing to wait on his timing and God will take care of us. And I want to assure you as we continue as a nation and as a world, as we continue going through this COVID-19 crisis, I hope that you will remember that God is not finished with you and I yet. He's not. He's not finished with us. God has a work for us to do. And also remember, God's going to bring us out of this situation. The world's been a lot different this year so far, but it's not going to be this way forever. We just have to patiently wait on the Lord. Well, I don't know about you. I enjoy this time of Bible study here on Sunshine USA. I hope that you'll call up a friend, a neighbor, a relative, and get them to tune in. Because chances are, if you enjoy a Bible study podcast such as Sunshine USA, guess what? There's probably somebody else out there that you know that would also enjoy a podcast like this, and they would get a great blessing from it. So you could tell them where you listen to Sunshine USA at and how they could tune in, and hopefully they will. And hopefully, if they're not a Christian, they'll receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. If not, uh, I mean, and if they're already a Christian, maybe we can help them grow as a Christian, help them to expand their knowledge of the Word of God. And you'll be amazed at what that does for you. 
uh, I try to spend time in the Word of God every day. Now, of course, uh, I'm at least semi-retired now, so I have a lot more time to study the Word of God now than I used to. But I enjoy studying the Word of God and spending a lot of time every day in the Word of God. <laughs> I got tickled to death last week. I ordered me a brand new Bible. You know, I go through Bibles so quickly. I mean, I read and study the Bible so much, I wear out my Bibles pretty quickly. And so every year or two, I have to go to the Christian bookstore and I have to go get me another Bible. <laughs> Amen. And uh, that was the case last week. And I, I was looking through my library and I noticed that I had never gotten me a uh, study Bible by Schofield. It's called the Old Schofield study Bible. It's got the complete uh, Schofield study notes in it. And I tell you, I got it last Wednesday, so I've had it almost a week now. And I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that Schofield study Bible that I got last week. And I tell you, I put it on my bedside table. It's one of the last things I read at night before I go to bed. And it's also one of the first things I read in the morning when I get up. And I enjoy every minute of it. I encourage you to do the same thing. You'll be amazed at what the study of God's Word will do for you. And I want you to know there's a difference between just reading the Word of God and actually studying the Word of God. You see, when you get involved in actually studying the Word, it takes an investment of time, and it's hard work. But it's well worth it when you consider what that Bible knowledge does for you as you grow and expand in the knowledge of your word. And the more of the word of God you get into, the, the more you could share that word with somebody else. Well, <laughs> my director is reminding me our time is gone for this evening. I hope that um, this broadcast has been a blessing to you. I don't know if you can tell it or not. I do this broadcast without notes. Uh, I just wing it, so to speak. And I just trust God as to what I should say from the time the broadcast begins till the time the broadcast ends. Well, I've got just enough time to say goodbye. God bless you. And I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.